Welcome back to the Craft and Career podcast series, featuring conversations with professional creatives from the arts, entertainment, and media industries. Here, we explore various approaches to craft and career, and even consider how those two can sometimes work together. I'm Derek Webster, Senior Associate Director for Creative Careers at Yale's Office of Career Strategy, and today's episode will be hosted by our Yale faculty friend, Derek Green. Derek is an author himself and teaches creative writing in the English department, and you'll recognize him as our guest for the first two Craft and Career Series episodes. Totally go back and give it a listen. Thanks for sharing your talk, Derek, and we look forward to hearing more from writer Colby Day. Our guest today is Los Angeles-based writer and director Colby Day. Colby is the writer behind the upcoming Netflix film Spaceman, directed by Johan Rank and starring Adam Sandler and Carey Mulligan. He's worked with Hulu, Free Association, Lionsgate, and 3311 Productions. His feature script, In the Blink of an Eye, was featured on The Blacklist, Hollywood's famed annual survey of the most liked motion picture screenplays not yet in production. Colby's plays include Kitchen Sink Experiments, Giant Killer Slugs, and Felix the Diligence, which was a nominee for the New York Innovative Theater Awards. Colby graduated from NYU with a degree in dramatic writing and a minor in producing. Hi, Colby, and thanks for joining us for the episode. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. Well, we are excited to have you as part of this new um, Yale podcast and is up and coming right now for you. Uh, a nice, bright, shining path upward. And then there's the craft that is behind that and that got you there. So let's start there. Um, when we use a word like career, what does that bring to mind for you as a writer? Uh, I have to pause just to revel in the the idea that my career is bright and shining and upcoming. <laughs> <laughs> That's our story and we're sticking uh, to it. I, I gotta just underline that for myself as a reminder. Um, career. Uh, you know, I, I think it was, and I don't think that she created this idea, but I remember hearing uh, an Elizabeth Gilbert quote or talk at one point. She's the author of Eat, Pray, Love. And she talked about this idea of there's career, there's vocation, and then there's job. And you can kind of use that framework to think about like um, both the big picture macro of like, is this particular thing fulfilling one of these or not. And then also, I think individually, maybe on a micro basis, like project to project, is this something that furthers my career? Is this something that is like my calling? Or is this just like a job that pays the bills? And I think that that framework, once I learned that was so helpful to think about, because very rarely do you get something that does even two of the three. <laughs> so it's kind of like pick and choose as to like, how are you framing this? Because, you know, I've been writing since I was a little kid. I think most writers have been writing since they were little kids. And uh, has that always been my career? I don't know. <laughs> but vocation, maybe job sometimes. Um, so I think that that's, that's where my brain goes is like, okay, how do you just frame this for yourself to get through decisions to get through life? Yeah. That's great. That's really uh, helpful. You know, it's kind of like that, what, what I'm good at, what I love and what I make money at and totally. never the three should meet. So um, if you're lucky, you get to bring some of those spheres together, which you've been able to do, uh, as you said, sometimes. And that's great for a writer. Even sometimes is great. Yeah, that's the goal. How do you distinguish that from craft, you know, um, those ideas of vocation, career? And then there's this thing, you, you're a craftsperson, you build stories and plays and screenplays. 
Yeah. I mean, I do think that craft is, is the way to think about this kind of work because it is sort of a trade. And I think, especially when you get into working in film or television, a lot of what you're doing is using your skills as a tradesperson to execute like a larger vision, a larger project, a boss, you know, like, so you are an artisan, but you are not always the person in charge. And I think that that the framing of craft is very helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to me, I think that that craft is kind of the reason I still love to do this. I think it's the thing that's satisfying and engaging in this kind of way. All those things are the things that to me are, are craft of like, oh, how did they do that? When you watch something you really like and you're trying to puzzle together, like, why does that work? That's the craft of it. Yeah. And so I think it can go unrecognized unless you're also a craftsperson <laughs> yeah. uh, in the same way that like furniture makers are maybe underappreciated except by other furniture makers. <laughs> How do you make that dovetail joint, right? Yeah. 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 How did you do that joint so seamlessly? And I think that that's like sort of how the craft of being a writer works as well. It's like, it's ideally, to me, it's ideally un unseen or unnoticed, um, but, you know, achieves the end result. That brings me to the next question that I really um, hope you give, give us your thoughts on. And what keeps you returning? You know, you said craft is what keeps you interested. What keeps you returning to the craft, if that makes sense? What um, works to sustain your creative practice on the, you know, writers have careers don't go on a steady trajectory, but there's a kind of day in, day out thing that is sustained by craft. I think that the career of, of being a writer or the vocation of it is very seasonal. There are ebbs and flows and ins and outs to the tide of, of this work. And so you kind of are forced to determine for yourself what is satisfying moment to moment, what's process oriented versus like results oriented. Yeah. And I think that for me, building a sustainable craft or day-to-day -day practice is what I've learned over the last few years after mostly working in film and, and less in theater is part of what makes this sustainable for me is collaboration. Part of what like refills the, the well that I'm emptying in writing is then getting to work with other artists in a room and have that like re refill the well a little bit. It can be a very solitary process to be a writer, but I think like anything you can do to build collaboration, community, like those are the things that actually I think like make it manageable and not something that'll just sort of like empty you out. Um, I do think there's a lot of like energy out and then what, what comes in, what fills that well back up. You mentioned that previously that um, writing, especially in the film uh, and television industry, is a collaborative thing. You're not the you're an artisan, but you're not the artiste. You're in there working. You're a working um, writer. Correct. And can you talk a little bit about communities important to writers? There is this idea that writers are solitary curmudgeons and and loners, and there's some of that, but they are also hyper social in many ways. And when you got out there to LA, how did you build? Did, can you talk a little bit about how you started to build a community? If you can even remember, how do you start to build those people that you work with before you're in a room? Wow. Building community is really hard. I think America, I think the American work ethos does not value community as much as we maybe could or should. <laughs> 
I felt really lucky. I am very comfortable being on my own, <laughs> but I felt really lucky in New York. I went to NYU and then afterwards got roped into a very big, robust theater community that I think was super valuable and let me work with other people, let me learn how other people work. And that was a like a godsend to get to have a big group of other people making things. I feel like when I moved to LA, I was separate from a lot of that. And it it was exciting career-wise, like work-wise was very promising, but was kind of a, a long window of, oh, who are those people here? How, <laughs> who do I know here who does that? Who's inspiring? And I think LA can can be for lots of people a hard adjustment period. I came out right after college and like thought about moving to LA. And then everyone I knew here who lived here already said like, oh, if you're busy and working in New York and have friends and stuff to do, don't come here. <laughs> and uh, I really took that to heart. And so I only moved here when it felt like oh, the time is right. And I feel like I know who I am enough and, and what I want to do, because I do think the community part was lacking for a big chunk of the first few years I was here. I knew people, but it, it, it's hard to build a community afresh. It takes time. It takes time. Like so many other things in the um, writing career. You mentioned the word inspiring, and that brings to mind something else I was curious about. Is there anything that, that you read or that you're reading or watching that inspires you? Anything that, you know, on those ebbs and flows, something that you look at and you come back to or something that makes your own work feel fresh again? Yeah, I, th I think that to me, you know, I just went and saw Dune in theaters, <laughs> which I have mixed feelings about, but getting to see the getting to see the the trailers for like the end of year movies, <laughs> which are all the like, oh, these are the exciting, uh, intense drama movies was was a very inspiring, like uh, brought me back to being a young kid at the theater in a way that I was very excited for just movies in general which goes to show how little I've gotten to do in the last year and a half of being at home. But, you know, I also, I try to read, this is very cheesy. I try to read Our Town every fall. <laughs> it feels very autumnal to me to go to, uh, you know, the New England town that Thornton Wilder has created. And I also just think it's a beautiful play and it's sort of about like, seasonality and change and time yeah life and death oh, okay. yeah exactly. so i'm i'm heading into my my almost annual read of that soon which i'm excited about <laughs> and then i read a lot of nonfiction. i i think that to me it kind of helps me like turn off my story brain to just sort of be reading stuff that is either true or uh something i'm trying to learn about you know i i love fiction i'm a big book reader i'm not a huge screenplay reader i used to be more so but it feels like work now so i think the things that inspire me are things that are like adjacent but not actually the work <laughs> That's a great phrase, adjacent, but not naturally the word. A long time tried to put that into phrasing too. So consider that stolen, Colby. It's a great uh, Please. Yeah. I think, I think things that are parallel, you know, like um, installation art, like gets me inspired. Um, good theater gets me inspired. But stuff that's like not what I would ever want to do tends to be the stuff that's most like, oh, wow, that, what an interesting thing. 
it kind of refills that well you were talking about. Exactly. You? you talked about the difference between vocation, career, and um, let's get to that other word, jobs. What are some <laughs> of the jobs that you've done, paid or otherwise, that help support that vocation? I've had a lot of jobs. I um, <laughs> Very soon after college, I got a job as an assistant at a reality TV company in New York. And I wanted a job that was in television um, because that's originally where I thought my career might go. And I hated this job so much. <laughs> I don't watch reality TV. I, there's some I watch, but like, it was just a bad job. I think I'm a bad employee is what I've learned. You and... might be a writer if. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you might be a writer if you are a bad employee. <laughs> and I just really, really did not appreciate having to do it every day, which is maybe, I don't know. <laughs> entitled feeling, but it really was a bad fit. And so to me, I quit and my parents were very upset because they kind of were like, this is a job in television. You want to work in TV. And the way I reasoned it was sort of like, there's a ladder that I'm on right now that is adjacent to, but not actually the ladder I want to be on. And it's very hard to cross from one ladder to the other. Once you're seen as a production executive, you, you are an executive and that's you're on a certain track. And I think it's really hard to go back and forth from one side to the other. And to me, it felt easier to make art, to be a writer with a job that felt flexible or outside of the industry. I, after that, was a theater manager at Playwrights Horizons Theater in New York, where I was the house manager and just would seat people and check tickets and <laughs> deal with ushers. And that was a much better job for someone who also wanted to be writing. It was flexible, it was short, and it also wasn't like so draining. I think being at a desk all day was very hard for me. And then I also worked sales. I worked for this company, Green Mountain Energy, and I was one of the people on the street in New York who would stop you and to try to get you to talk about like your electricity bill. And again, that was a super hard job, but it felt easier to be a salesperson to me than to work in the industry I wanted to work in, but not doing the thing I wanted to do. Yeah, so man, I always yeah. sort of subscribe to like, do a different job and then have your, <laughs> have a different job and then have your vocation. And hopefully that can be sustainable. Yeah. They might come together. Yeah. Maybe. That's a, uh, Although that that job on the street in New York probably helps your help your pitching develop your pitching. Um, yeah, I had to get very good at like stopping someone physically in the middle of the road and be like, talk to me for twenty five seconds. <laughs> Great skill for where you are now based. So obviously, students will be interested in listening to um, your thoughts. If you have a, could you if you could give a student looking to follow a similar career path, a uh, piece of advice, what would it be, Colby? Advice is really hard in the arts because I think the best, <laughs> I stumbled upon this the other day, trying to think of good advice for someone else and realized like, I think the only applicable advice is make something very good. And that's really hard advice to, to give, to follow. But I, I think the actionable version of that is I felt like I was the kind of person who was very lucky to get to make my own work. I found other people who were really eager to produce work. And I think getting to be in charge of making something, even if it's for no money, even if it's for very few people to see, the process of like bringing the thing to life was the most valuable work I've gotten to do to like actually go like make your play, make your film like that. 
seeing something through from beginning to end, even if it doesn't have the resources you wish it did, is such a valuable experience to get to have. That's all very helpful and terrific advice. Sounds kind of familiar to me too. Um, And I'd like to say thank you, Colby, for joining us today and taking your time, taking the time to give us some of your thoughts. My pleasure. Yeah, it was so nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Derek and Colby. What a great start to the conversation. We'll be back next week with the second half of their talk. And in the meantime, as always, don't be afraid to use the word career, but always stay crafty.